Hi, and welcome to Living Unleashed. I'm your host, Alex Runneman. This is a production growing out of my passion for identifying, questioning, and addressing the many challenges I face as an entrepreneur, father, and as a resident of my small Appalachian hometown. From community revitalization to work and business to health and everything in between, join me as we discuss the challenges, but most importantly, search for solutions that may assist you in your quest to unleash yourself and your community. Hello, Taylor County. I'm Alex Renham with Unleashed Tiger, and I'm here with Ryan Deems, who's running for the House Delegates for 48th District. Ryan, thanks for coming on the program. Thank you for having me, Alex. For Happy sure. to be here. Great. Hey, let's uh, start right off. Tell us a little bit about what a House of Delegates member does. So the House of Delegates is the larger chamber of the uh, West Virginia legislature. There are 100 members. It's similar to uh, the House of Rep- Representatives on a national level. The 48th district, which serves Harrison and a small part of Taylor County, is a multi-member district. Um, We have four members. There will be four spots open for election this time. And, you know, they are just in charge of working for their constituents and uh, helping to craft laws to better everyone's life um, and to make West Virginia the best place to live that it can be. Cool. All right. So Ryan, tell us a little bit, share with us a role, a challenge and experience, something in your life that you feel has at least in part prepared you uh, to be a successful House Delegates member. Uh, So, you know, I, uh, a little bit of background about me. um, I am a uh, first generation college graduate. I am a teacher. My wife is a teacher, you know, handling a, I teach middle school too. So uh, handling a uh, classroom of 15 to 30 teenagers is enough adversity to make anyone strong enough to handle anything that's thrown at them. But I live in Clarksburg. I specifically, I live in the Northview neighborhood of Clarksburg. And I've, I've seen a lot of struggles in our community. Clarksburg, I, I grew up here too. And it's, it's a great place to live now, but it's got a lot more problems than when I was growing up. And so seeing all of the adversity that our citizens are going through as a teacher dealing with the legislature the past two years um, and all of the issues that we've had with people who are crafting laws about education who don't know anything about education has really pushed me to want to try and serve our public um, because I have that experience in education and I, you know, I live in an area, I see the struggle of uh, the general working people every day. And so that's, that's my situation and that's why I think uh, I'm in a good position to uh, serve in the House of Delegates. Gotcha. Makes sense. You mentioned the last two years and I, one of the things uh, I'd like for you to offer the folks is what, what have you done? What have you in, been involved in in the last couple of years or most recent time that has helped you know, your district, the 48th district, move forward? Professionally, I am the president of the Harrison County Education Association. That is new this year. Uh, I, was the, I was on the executive committee um, in previous years. So uh, we've just been busy making sure that the concerns of parents and students are being heard by our legislatures, our legislators um, and our County Board of Education members. You know, it's been our experience and my experience that I've sent emails, I've had phone calls 
that have not been returned. So it's just been, professionally, I've been fighting for the education of all students. On the personal side, I'm actually a member of the Shinsen Community Band um, in Shinston. I'm a member of the steering committee there. I'm a music teacher, so so I'm a musician, and uh, I'm really, my wife, my wife is also a musician, and we're really involved in the community, in, in the arts community, um, and trying to give back through public performance and uh, being patrons of the arts. Great. So if you're elected, what, what's, uh, what's, what's a successful term look like to you? What's your strategy for a successful term in office? So there, there are a lot of issues that we need to uh, address in West Virginia. And so, you know, a House of Delegates member's term is only two years. And, you know, the, the biggest thing that I want to see is to make sure that we are providing the best public education that we can for our kids, that we're fixing our infrastructure, we're investing in our infrastructure, and that we're keeping young people like myself here. You know, I'm, I turned 31 a couple weeks ago. My wife's 30. We don't have a lot of friends who are left in the state. A lot of the people we went to school with, uh, went to college with, high school with, are gone. You know, we joke that we're kind of an endangered species, uh, <laughs> young people in West Virginia. So, and, you know, we're, West Virginia has a really aging population, and we need to work to make sure that the people who are here, our young people, are the real wealth of West Virginia stays here so we can continue to improve it. So I, a successful term for me would, would be making sure that we're improving the lives of people who are here uh, by, by improving our education and making it possible for people to live here, live and work here with dignity. Makes sense. So down to the, the tactical level almost from, from the, for that strategy, how do you make that happen? Well, you got to listen to the people, Alex. I think that is what we hear about government is that government doesn't work. And I, that's a pretty popular, uh, pretty popular opinion. People say, you know, I've, I've been out before everything went crazy, shaking hands and, you know, I'm running for House of Delegates. They're like, oh, you're a politician. I don't like politicians. Uh, and I get, I, I get that. Um, a lot of people see corruption in politics and they say, oh, if you're, if you're in politics, you're corrupt. It doesn't matter. And I hear this from people I talk to every day. Oh, it doesn't matter. Like, I can call. I can show up. They're going to do what they want. They're all bought and paid for, which is one of the core principles. I've signed the West Virginia Can't Wait Pledge. I am not taking any corporate cash. I am only uh, funded by small donors. That's the first step in our tactical approach to this. We're not going to be bought and paid for. We are going to make sure that we're only accountable to the people who elect us. Uh, the second thing is you got to listen to the people. Like I had said before, I've gotten, I've sent a lot of emails. I've sent a lot of phone calls or made a lot of phone calls and I have not been listened to. Um, if you look at a lot of the social media accounts uh, for our current delegates in the 48th, there's not a lot there unless they're patting themselves on the back. Um, they're not giving us a, a rundown of what they're voting on on a daily basis or a weekly basis. And they're, they're not pushing out that information to us. <clears throat> Our local uh, education association chapter 
went to um, Charleston for our annual lobby day just to check in and discuss bills that were going through the legislature at that point. We reached out to three of our delegates uh, and only one uh, responded. And unfortunately, he's not running for re-election again. So, you know, the second part of that is you've got to make sure that you're talking to the people and you have to make yourself available, you know, whether that's through short videos when you're in Charleston, uh, through graphics. The other thing I'll commit to is if I'm elected every session or every weekend in, in session that we are not uh, working in Charleston, I will be back in the district. I will have a town hall. I will meet with people. If I'm elected and we're not in session, we'll do a town hall, hopefully on a monthly basis. Um, but I really want to make myself available to uh, the people of our district because I think politicians see this just as a transactional process. I tell you what you want to hear. You give me your vote. And then we're done until it's election day two years from now. And that's not the way I see it. Our democracy is much more important than that. And I want to hear from, from, our, uh, from my constituents. If you don't like what I'm doing, please tell me. If you've got an idea, please share that. And so I just want to make sure that everyone's involved and everyone has a voice. Sure. Makes sense. So with that, you, you, you talk about listening to people. And we talk about on this program all the time that it's, you know, for, for there to be a, a thriving republic, the public itself has to be engaged, has to be educated, what's going yes. on, has to be interested. So what is it that you would ask of the people of the 48th district when you're, if you're uh, elected? What, what are you going to ask them? How, what, how can they help you? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask them to talk to me, to, to send me their concerns. Now, I'm, I plan to be out in the district and, and ask, but, you know, if you send me an email, I'm going to send you an email back. And, if, you know, as a teacher, uh, one of the most important lessons you can learn is if you don't have an answer, you don't just blow off the question. Uh, you say, you know what, that's, uh, I hadn't thought of it that way, or there's no shame in saying, I don't know. And so you go and you find the answer and you come back. So what do you see, you know, there's, there's plenty talked about in West Virginia about our challenges, and we'll get to some of those in just a minute, but what do you see in terms of what are our opportunities? What are the opportunities we have as a state? I'm so glad that, uh, that you asked me that. You know, we are, we talk about West Virginia's challenges, and we talk about how West Virginia's last and everything, but West Virginia is first or is near the top in charitable giving, spending time with our friends and family, um, military service. And so there are a lot of great things here. I think, and one of the main pillars of my platform, one of our opportunities is, and I would work to make West Virginia the best state in the union for small businesses. We can't wait on big business, big manufacturing to come and save us. We have to save ourselves. And we do that through small business. We prioritize small business. We write the, write the tax code so that we are allowing them to hire more people, pay them living wages. You know, Walmart is, I believe, West Virginia's largest uh, private employer, I believe. Mm -hmm. You know, but they're surviving our corporate welfare. The people who work at Walmart are, aren't getting paid a living wage while the, the Waltons are billionaires. So 
I really think one of the great opportunities we have in West Virginia is to make this the best state for small business. And we should go all in on those proposals. Gotcha. So on the flip side of the coin, what's our challenges? We, we have a lot of challenges. We have an aging population. We have a declining population because we can't keep people here. We talked about that earlier. Our infrastructure is crumbling. I went uh, out to Wallace a couple weeks ago, right on the Harrison-Wetzel County line. And as I was driving out there, I'm like, these roads are, are rough. And, you know, I talked to 10 or 12 people out there um, at a benefit dinner. And the first thing out of all their, all their mouths when I said, what is one thing that you would do right now to make West Virginia better? They're like, fix these roads. Mm-hmm. Infrastructure is a huge challenge. Um, and it's going to cost a lot of money to deal with, to, to fix that. Um, and when we're talking roads and bridges, I think we also need to talk about internet. Access to reliable high-speed internet is not a privilege or a luxury anymore. It's a necessity. If we're going to complete, compete on a global level or even within the United States, we have to have good internet here. Uh, so those are just a few of the challenges that I see. Yeah, makes sense. So um, it, obviously we're in times, interesting times right now. And yes. the fact that we're doing this remotely is, is due to COVID-19. Yes. And in, in, in a position like a House Delegates member, you're seen as a leader by the community. And so the community will look to their leaders in times like this for direction and whatnot. So I, I ask you, you're in this position, and obviously, um, you know, at this at time of recording, you know, yeah, every, every state has a case. West Virginia just has their first. That, yep. may, that may grow exponentially. That may not. Who knows where it's going to go. But yeah. so, so I just ask you, in, in that role, how is it as a leader that you either plan to, to put things in place to potentially uh, prevent these, these kinds of uh, disasters coming? Whether it, it could be weather-related, it could be all kinds of things yeah. that, that come at us as a populace. Um, or how do we respond during those times? And I kind of turn that over to you from a leadership perspective. How do you handle those? As a member of the legislature, uh, as one of the 134 elected members, I think that my role specifically to start with would be to make sure that people get accurate information. And that's something that we've already started to do. Um, on my Facebook, Facebook page, uh, Ryan Deems for WV House of Delegates. You can also just search at Deems WV. Uh, we've already started sharing updates about precaution, CDC guidelines, um, some reminders about social distancing, um, we're starting to tweet out some entertainment. So if people are going stir crazy, feeding sites. Uh, so my main role would be to disseminate or make sure that people have information. If I was elected, I would expect more people to reach out to me and share their concerns. And then I think the best thing that anyone can do um, who wants to be in a leadership role is to make sure that you are demonstrating the qualities that you want other people to do. Someone who just says, hey, go do this, hey, go do, do that's not a leader, they're a boss. And so you need to be willing to go out and do things for others. Uh, in fact, I, you know, I went out to the grocery store and I ran uh, some errands for some people who were afraid to go out. Um, and I'm willing to do that if people reach out to me. So yeah, that, you know, pushing out information, but also 
demonstrating the qualities that we want others to do, I think is the best way you can act in any kind of emergency or unusual situation. Perfect. Well, Ryan, as we discussed earlier before we got on camera, uh, we polled the community for questions. And okay. we've got a kind of a list of some around, around some issues uh, that are, that are in, on their minds today. I'd like to run through them, uh, if you wouldn't mind. So the, the first thing is around school choice. Um, yes. where, what, what's your strategy around school choice in terms of whether that you, how, do you, how do you see that playing out in this district and across the state? You know, we use, we use school choice to make it seem like it's, it's a really great idea. Um, but unfortunately, the, the way charter schools work, it's not really a choice for everyone. It's that kids get pushed out of schools or, you know, maybe you want your kid to go to charter school, but you can't take them, you can't take them to the bus or you can't take them to the school and there's no bus. Um, and so really, it, it leads to a level of segregation. I can, there, there's been a lot of educational research that's been done that shows that charter schools are as effective or less effective on student learning than same-sex classrooms and school uniform. So I really don't think that school choice is a good policy for our area, especially somewhere that is so rural and um, that lacks public transportation. Gotcha. What about, um, you already mentioned about broadband. What is it, what kind of strategy do you think we can put in place? And, or where do you, how do you see that playing out? I mean, folks, we know in the state of West Virginia, some folks are, are just a little bit off the road and a little bit off yeah. the highway and they have no connectivity in true broadband form. So what would you be, what, what's your, 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 your perspective on that and what strategy would you like to see put in place? Yeah, my, uh, my sister is in that same situation, not far off the road and really limited uh, broadband access. So I think we've got to treat it like a public utility. We need to make sure that there's competition and we need to make sure that um, it's affordable and available to everyone. Look for more federal um, grants. I know Harrison County, um, I think last month, announced that the federal government had is going to put some money in to expand uh, broadband access in Harrison County. And quite frankly, we need to do that in the rest of the state. Before I moved back to Clarksburg, I lived in Wyoming County, which is way in the southern part of the state, very rural, um, in the heart of the coal fields. And internet access was even more of an issue there. Your cell phone only worked in about three miles of the county. So yeah, it's a huge issue. Sure. Um, good people down there, but we need to get them, we need them wired up, right? Absolutely. Um, what about, what about marijuana, medical, recreational? What's your strategy for, for, for medical marijuana, recreational marijuana? Well, it's a shame that our legislature made the rules so, so restrictive that uh, something that passed in 2016 or 2017 uh, should have been enacted in July, and we still don't have it. Medical marijuana has been shown to improve the lives of people with all kinds of medical issues, and we should have medical cannabis today. My position is that we should legalize and tax adult use uh, cannabis. Uh, we should continue to grow hemp. Um, I don't know if we were going to talk about that, but in addition to 
legalizing and taxing cannabis for adult use. We should continue to grow hemp. There's a lot of it happening in the Taylor County, Bridgeport area um, in the district. Um, and I think that's one of the ways, that's one of the opportunities that West Virginia has. We can start pushing forward with hemp and um, adult use cannabis. Gotcha. So Ryan, if you were able to sit down and write a piece of legislation that you could get funded in any way, shape or form, it passed the house with flying, flying colors, flipped over to the Senate, the Senate passes it unanimously, the governor signs it into the law, and there's the funding you need for it. What is that piece of legislation? Oh, it's like a kid in a candy store. Uh, <laughs> as we've talked, we have a lot of opportunities. We have a lot of challenges. I think that I think that I would write a bill that made sure that we had a living wage and that people also had access to things like a fair work week so you would know when you were going to work, when you could spend time with your kids, guaranteed sick leave, which we're seeing is a huge issue with COVID-19. We're worried about people not being able to pay pay their rent because they're out of work. They have hourly jobs. You know, if someone gets sick, they're not going to work without sick paid leave. They can't pay the bills. So I would I would write legislation that would make sure that people had a living rate wage and had benefits that let them live and work with dignity. Yep, makes sense. So among the questions we asked from folks, we asked for a, a lighthearted question. And so okay. I ask you now, you know, for, for what do you hold the most gratitude? Probably, probably my mom. And this might be, this might be a little sappy, but uh, yeah, she's one of my, she's one of my favorite people and I, I'll, I'll expand it. So the women in my wife, in my life. So my mom and my wife. Good call. Um, good call. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I've known my mom a little longer than my wife. Um, sure. But, uh, you know, my mom, my dad passed away <clears throat> when I was fairly young. And so she was really a single parent through most of the time I was in high school and through my adult life. She's always really been there for me. Um, and my wife, was the one who gave me the push to do this. And she's really kind of sacrificed time with me and some of her time to sit here and, you know, take care of things around the house, uh, hang out with our, uh, with our puppies while, uh, while I'm out trying to win a government that works better for everyone. So uh, yeah, I, that's my, that's who I'm most grateful for. Great. Well, as, uh, as is customary on this program, at the end, we offer you the last word. What is it you'd like to tell the people of the 48th District? I, I tell everyone that um, the success of our country, our state, and our district uh, relies on you. And we have done politics at a status quo level for way too long. Um, and we've, on both, both sides of the aisle, both parties, the way that we currently operate isn't working for us. And so we have to look for a new way. We have to look for new ideas. And I think that in our conversation today, I've presented some of those new ideas. Um, and so please feel free to reach out to me. We're on Facebook, Ryan Deems for West Virginia House of Delegates. You can search at DeemsWV. We're also on Instagram. Uh, we're also on Twitter. Ryan Deems 89. Our website is deems4wv.com. And 
our all of our contact information is there. Please reach out to us, be involved, but we have to change the way we're doing and or the way we're going. And I think I'm that change. Great. Ryan Deems, House Delegates for the District. Thanks for coming on the program and good luck. Thank you so much.